I trust one of you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> First Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. I'm going to work on this, you know, not fumbling. First Peter chapter 2. I read a story recently about a man that was asked to teach a Sunday school class um, while a teacher was going to be out of town. So he was going to teach this young boy's Sunday school class, and he comes in, and he wanted to test the boy's knowledge about the Bible. And so he said, now who knocked down the walls of Jericho? Now when he said it that way, the kids instantly began to look at each other. All the boys began to deny it. And the teacher was so sad that they didn't know what had happened that he began, he called a meeting with the deacons, and he said, deacons, you, gotta, you have to listen to this. Like these kids in my, this boy's Sunday school class, they don't know who knocked down the walls of Jericho. And the deacons began to look at each other and they said, we, we know that this, this seems like it's bothering you a lot. And uh, I've known the boys for a long time and if they said they didn't do it, then they didn't do it. <laughs> and, and he continued on, I think we should just take it out of the repair fund and we'll just take care of it. And you know, uh, that's a funny story, but it illustrates the fact that we live in a generation of people that really don't know what the Bible teaches. Um, there's probably no... What's sad about it is that there's been no time in history where we've had more Bibles available to us than any other point in time, but yet there's never been a time where there's been a greater deficit, a spiritual deficit that's taking place in our country. And um, as I think about that, I was reading this week and preparing for it, Ed Stetzer, he worked for Lifeway Research, and this is what he said in an article entitled Biblical Illiteracy. He said, both inside and outside the church, there's a problem. Non-Christians don't have the general idea of the Bible they once did, and Christians are not seeing the life change that real Bible engagement brings. The result is a nation that is in a spiritual freefall. I can't help but agree with that. There's no excuse. We have access to the Bible. It's said that both Christians and non-Christians alike have access to approximately three Bibles inside their house. Uh, if you don't have a Bible inside of your house, you have access to a smartphone in which you can engage, you can read the Bible from anywhere uh, you want to, and yet people still aren't very involved in engaging in Bible reading personally for their own spiritual life. Simply put, we have biblical illiteracy deficit in part because we have a spiritual maturity deficit. People, uh, it's so easy inside of a church ministry to become accustomed to coming and sitting down and listening to the Bible be taught to you, but you forget that you need to engage in the Bible reading personally for your own personal benefit spiritually. That's one of the endeavors of our church over the past year, I know, that we, we started doing what's called discipleship groups or D groups. And the whole purpose and point behind what we're doing in discipleship groups is to encourage biblical accountability when it comes to Bible reading. Because we know that the way a church grows it isn't just necessarily numerically by just trying to fill up the seats of a church. More than filling up the seats of a church, what do we need? We need the group of people inside the church to fall in love with Jesus Christ more. As the people engage in Bible reading and falling in love with Jesus... You know what happens? People begin to witness more. People begin to tell their friends about Christ. People begin to come to church because they want to, 
not because they have to. And people begin to just, when you fall in love with Jesus, the whole church begins to grow in the way that it was meant to. Anywhere, any ministry that doesn't encourage the reading of God's word will not see people come to full, uh, full out discipleship and becoming a full, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We have people who have grown up in church for years and years, but when it comes to their spiritual age, a lot of times that's where it becomes really sad, right? You can become, you can grow old, but yet not grow up in your faith. And uh, where, what we really need to encourage inside the church is to fall in love with the word of God again. That's exactly what Peter's going to talk about in this passage. Um, what we've gone through is this, is that Peter has told us the fact of, that God has provided for us an incredible salvation. God chose you before the foundation of the world. He, he chose you, he saved you, and he's been working in your life. And what Peter does is he says this. Now, based on this great salvation that God has prepared for you and, and supplied to you, now what you're supposed to do because of that is, first of all, you're supposed to live out, pursue holiness. That's verses 13 through 21 of chapter 1. Then he says that you're supposed to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's verses 22 to 25. And what we're going to look at tonight is this, is that lastly, you are to crave the word of God. When we use the word crave, what do you, what do you think of? I think of a, a pregnant woman. I don't know. Maybe that's weird. Like, you know, you know like when a woman, she's pregnant and, and, and she gets those, that, that desire, like, I, I, I'm, I really want this to eat. And when she says she wants that, like, nothing else will substitute that. You just get that, all right? Get what the lady wants. Okay, and, and when it comes to this, what Jesus is saying is that one of the marks of a believer is that they will have a hunger for the word of God. Anywhere where you deal with a people that do, they don't care to hear the word of God preached, they don't hear to, care to hear the word of God taught, they don't want to be encouraged to read their Bible, you're dealing with a person that is spiritually immature. The only way that God chooses to reveal himself is through what? The Bible. So apart from the Bible, there is no knowledge of God. There's no way to grow deeper into your faith outside of the, the parameters that God has given, them, given us. And the fact is, is that anywhere where people don't know the Bible, they can be led into uh, all kinds of sins. There's all kinds of false doctrine that people can be led into because of why? They just don't, they don't know the word of God. And so Peter is encouraging these believers to, to fall in love, to crave the word of God with, with all of your heart. Do you love the word of God? One of the marks, uh, I love this verse in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it says this. If ye continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and what? And the truth shall make you free. I'll be directly honest with you in my years of church ministry I've found that people really aren't free they're drawn into all kinds of sins there's all kinds of things that people are struggling with and at the heart of it is because they just don't love the word of God like maybe they once used to 
You see, the word of God, it sets people free. When you come to know God and and he's revealing himself to you and you're sitting down and you're reading the word of God and God's speaking to you, there's something that frees you in that, right? And and Peter's saying is that uh, you need to crave the word of God. Now, the interesting thing, I need to point this out to you in verses 1 through 3. Very interesting is that it's only really one sentence in Greek. You're like, what? Three verses? Well, in the original, I hope you understand when Peter wrote wrote this, this book of the Bible, they didn't have the divisions like we have now. Everybody understand? It was a letter. And so when Peter wrote this, I don't know what it was about the apostles. Peter did this a lot. He would have these long run-on sentences where he keeps going, and he's, it's like he has a point and he doesn't want to let it go. And there's really only one point. There's one main verb of what he's teaching. So if you want to get what the main idea of the passage is, you would circle the word uh, where he tells us to desire the sincere milk of the word. That's the main idea of what Peter's going for. So here's the question. How do you desire the word of God? Why is it that you'll meet some people, they they can't get enough of it? It's like they got to daily go before God's word and they read it and, and they're soaking it in and God's teaching them something and they're fired up about it. But then you'll meet another group of people that simply don't have any desire to read it. There's people that... Between services, uh, from Sunday to Sunday, the Bible, they put it in the same spot, and it collects dust. Now, why is it, what, what's working, what will get you fired up about the Word of God again? Now, Peter's going to give us four perspectives that will help fire you up for the Word of God again. What an important subject for us to cover, right? Everything we do in a church ministry, it centers on the Word of God. If we don't have this, we don't have a lot working for us. Okay, so very first thing is this, hunger for the word through remembering its impact. Hunger for the word through remembering its impact. If you don't hunger for the word of God, it's because you've forgotten something. Let's look at verse 1, very first part. We're only going one word into it, folks. Okay, very first word is this, wherefore. Now, whenever you run across that word and you're reading your Bible, what should you do? You need to see, you know, what it's there for, okay? So you look back at the previous verses, and Peter's building off of what he said. You go back to chapter 1, look at verse 23. It says, being born again by what? The word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Look at verse 25. And this is the, what, word by which the gospel is preached unto you. What's the greatest miracle that ever happened? Now, men, don't give me that nice, oh, my wife. Uh, yeah, she is a miracle that she married you. That's true. All right, now listen. Don't give me that. I know you're trying to get bonus points during the summer. Okay, I get that. But outside, really the most important miracle that ever happened in your life was what? Salvation. Is your salvation. It's your salvation. How did you come to faith in Jesus Christ, though? It was the Word of God. You see somebody... Uh, They taught a passage or they shared with you the gospel. And the gospel is like a seed. That's what the Bible teaches. It's like a seed that's implanted into your heart. And when it takes root, what happens? It grows. That's how faith roots up into the person's life. And what do they do? They put their faith in Jesus Christ and their life is forever impacted because the word of God showed them what the, the way of salvation was. Right? 
It, it happens the same for everybody. The Bible says that faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. The only way that your faith grows, the only way that it develops the way it's supposed to, is through the word of God. And so here in this passage, what he's doing is he's connecting us to the previous passage where he's saying, hey, the word of God, how important was it to your spiritual life? Vital. Without the word of God, you would have never been saved. Okay? For instance, Paul talks about the same thing in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. He says this, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. He's saying the whole reason why you were able to come to faith was why? You were wise in the scriptures. The scriptures taught you how to be saved. So would you know Jesus Christ? Would you have a relationship with him outside of the word? What's the answer to that? No. Out, apart from the word of God, you would have never known the way of salvation. In essence, Peter is saying, have you forgotten the power of the word of God in your life? That's why we connect it back to the previous truth. When he says wherefore, and he's talking about craving the word of God, Listen, you have to remember the impact that the word of God had on your life. It forever changed your eternal destiny when it took root inside of your heart and it produced a fruit. Now, here's where I really want to hammer down on you a little bit, okay? Can you, you got to stay with me a little bit. Now, if the word of God was a part of your salvation, he's saying don't forget that it's, not, it's more than just coming to faith in Jesus Christ. You recognize Jesus didn't finish his plan for your life when you got saved. How many of you uh, understand that, right? Uh, that is not the finish line of the Christian li life. He has more for you than that. What he's saying is that as you came and, and you depended on the word of God for your salvation, you also have to depend on the word of God for what? Your sanctification. Now, what do, when we say sanctification, what do we mean by that? Okay. It's the part, it, it's, it's a process where God is setting you apart. He's molding you into the image of Jesus Christ. And folks, listen, when you were saved by the word of God, it didn't end there. You have to continue coming to the word of God in order for it to sanctify you, to make you more like Jesus Christ. And so basically Peter's saying, hey, remember it's impacting your past, but remember it's still going to impact you even right now. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It says this. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, that's saved, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in the truth, the word of God. And notice what he says, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Notice he's talking about the effect of the word of God in the life of who? A believer. Hey, folks, as much as you depended on somebody to share with you the word of God for you to be saved, you also need to continue to come to the word of God for your sanctification, to become more like Jesus. You see, you trusted it to save you. Let me ask you a question. Are you trusting the word of God to sanctify you? Can I tell you how many people I meet in, in church ministry that they're just like, Ryan, I don't know why I'm, gr I'm not growing. I, I mean, I come to church. I'm faithful in that. I, 
I'm involved somewhat. I'm in ministry. I, I, I do different things in the church. Hey, folks, the same thing that saved you is the same thing that will sanctify you. The same God that worked in your life through the word of God wants to work in your life and set you apart and change you. Isn't that the incredible thing, right? God has given you everything that you need to, to live the godly life. It comes through the word of God. Apart from it, you will see no change in your life. Everything else is forced. Everything else is, is useless and meaningless unless you're getting into the word of God for yourself. And folks, that's why we have churches where people don't grow. You want to get one meal a week you, and, and expect, guys, look at me. I promise you, I don't eat one meal a week. Physically speaking, you guys are looking, all right. But here's the deal, guys. You don't have to make fun of me. All right, now, here's the deal is that we need to be feeding ourselves spiritually. One meal a week isn't going to cut it. And in essence, in our American culture, we've taught people to be spoon-fed. We say, you come to our church, you listen to our messages, you kind of sit through a service and you'll magically grow. Hey, it doesn't happen that way. Uh, the, the Christian life in a certain sense is run individually by you pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at what the Bible says in Philippians 1.6. It says this, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What's he saying? What I began in your life... I want to do what? I want to complete. What I started in your life when you came to faith in me through the word of God, I want to continue in your life through what? Through the word of God. Folks, there's nothing difficult about what I just shared with you, right? And so Peter is teaching, you want to grow in your faith? The same word of God that can lead you to salvation will lead you to Jesus Christ and sanctify you and make you new, and make you into a new person. Isn't that neat? Now, the question is this, are you going to set it to the side? Something that's so powerful that can impact you and transform you? Listen, I'm really convinced, pastor said it a few weeks ago, we really don't understand what we have in our hands, do we? The power and the impact and the millions and millions of lives that have been impacted through the word of God. How could you even count the, the impact that it's had? Wow. And so many people let it sit on a shelf all week. Don't let that happen. But notice the second perspective that you need to have is this. Hunger for the word of God through eliminating sin. Ooh. You're like, well, sin, that's really going to have an effect on, on the craving the word of God? Yes. Look at what it says in verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. This word laying aside is an interesting word. It means to reject. It means to rid yourself of. It has the idea, it's a picture in the Greek. It's the idea of dirty clothes that you, you rip off and you throw down. Now, the thing that's interesting about that is that baptisms back in the early church were done a lot differently than we do them today. In the early church, when a person wanted to be baptized, they would show up wearing their old clothing. And when they were baptized, they would actually take the old clothes that they wore and they would throw them away. You're like, why in the world would they do that? That's so weird. Well, the church would provide for them new robes. 
Why do you think that they would do that? It was a picture. It was meant to picture what Jesus Christ had done in their life. They would literally take those old clothes where they were baptized and throw them away. They're saying what? I'm dying to my old way of life and I'm starting a brand new life in Jesus Christ. I'm going to wear the robes of righteousness which God has prepared for me. I'm starting a brand new life with him. Now that's a great statement because listen, what Jesus Christ wants to do in your life is he wants you to take off your old wardrobe and he wants you to throw it out and begin your new life in Christ. And the only way that that can be accomplished is by eliminating sin in our life. Peter's saying that a believer craves the word of God should be willing to lay aside sin in their life. But notice, three different times Peter's going to use the word all. You see it? Lay aside what? All malice. Lay aside all guile. And you could say the same thing for hypocrisies, envies, and look at what he says, all evil speakings. What's, it, what's he trying to get across, guys? I'm showing you that when you repeat something in the Bible, he's trying to teach you something, right? What's he saying? Is it like, uh, does he say get, get rid of half of your envies and get rid of half of... He's saying full all-out war on all the things that you're struggling with in your life. Now listen, folks, here's the problem. You want to know why people don't read their Bible? Why? They don't want to get rid of things in their life. And so Peter says that we need to be casting off sin from our life. He's emphasizing that, hey, if you're going to crave the word of God, if you're going to love God's word like you ought to, you've got to come to the word of God with the attitude that you're doing business with God. Do you think most people approach their Bible reading that way? Hey, God, whatever it is that I need to cast off, I'll cast it off. Whatever you point it out to me. I'm doing business today. What, isn't that a great way to approach your Bible reading? Now, why is it that it affects your craving for the Word of God? Now, this is why. How many of you growing up, like, I was a junk food eater. Like, I don't care. Like, if my mom turned her back for five minutes, I was going to get in the cupboard if I could. Anybody else here? Nobody? Just me. All right, that's great. Bunch of liars. All right, now, here's the deal is that any time that, that I could, like, if my mom would tell me you're not to eat anything before your meals, and as a matter of fact, there's times when my wife, right, babe, you're like, Brian, you're not to eat anything we're about to eat. And if she's got her back turned, it's fair game, all right? And, and, and the deal is, is that, man, I just, I want to, but what, why is it that they, they tell you don't eat anything before your meal? It ruins it. it impact, you no longer crave the meal any longer. And folks, sin works the same way in your life, doesn't it? You get exposed to it, and it begins to fulfill your flesh, and it fills you up on the things that are attractive to your flesh. And what happens is what? It drains you of your craving for the milk of the Word of God. That's why he says you need to be doing battle with it. Now, notice what he says, and I'm going to go through this quickly. I was one of those, like, growing up. I hate lists. And so we're going to try to move through this really quickly, okay? We're going to look at all these different sins that he specifically points out. Now, the very first one is this, laying aside all malice. Malice is bad behavior. It's worldly characteristics. It's things that make you look like the world. And what Peter says is this, hey, you need to be taking off those old clothes that reflect the world. 
That could be your behavior. It could be your attitudes, your desire to hurt people. He says you need to do business with God. You need to take that and throw it away. Cast it out. Take it off. That's a part of your old wardrobe. The second thing he says, take off all deceit. That's the idea of somebody that manipulates people. Isn't it sad when you see people that will come into a church and manipulate others? It's the idea of somebody that's a fisherman. They have a hook and they bait it. They get it, use it in order to draw somebody in order to take advantage of them. And he's saying that if you're going to hunger for the word of God, you can't be a, a manipulator. You can't be someone that deceives other people. You can't, there's no such thing as those little half-truths. Now, don't you hate it, absolutely hate it, when your wife asks you questions like, do you like that new meal that I made for you? Yeah. Or, or you ask questions like, you know, uh, what do you think of my new outfit? Or do you like this neck? I got asked that once. And, and man, it's like, I, and you're like, you get put, no half-truths, guys. Like, there's no room for budging on that. And what he's saying is this, hey, an, a, a person of God, a person that, that's going to grow in their hunger for the word of God, you're not going to lie. You're not going to deceive. You're not going to try to draw people off track. And, and that's the idea here. In 2 Corinthians 8.21, it says this, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. God wants you to be honest. Another thing he says is take off hypocrisy. In the Christian life, God never calls you to fake it. He never calls for you to pretend to be something that you're not. One person said hypocrisy is this. It's someone who meets you with a face that's different from their heart. You ever meet people like that? Listen, uh, those, uh, hypocrisy is the idea, idea of the actors that we talked about from last week. They're the ones that they used to wear the mask and they would paint on their face, right? And underneath the, mask, it, the, underneath the mask, it was hiding what their true emotions were, what they really felt, what they were really like. Listen, folks, God doesn't want you to pretend to be something you're not. Another thing he says is take off uh, envy. Envy is resentment towards other people's success. There's people that when you see them successful, you see how God uses them, that people begin to envy what they have. They want it for themselves. And Peter says, if you're going to crave the word of God, then what? You can't be envious. You can't be wanting what other people have. Another thing he says, take off slander or all evil speakings. It's the idea of somebody that speaks down about others. Man, you can get around people that when, when they're given the opportunity, they'll talk bad about somebody. They'll, they'll spread rumors. They'll judge people unfairly. They'll have unkind words. They'll twist the truth. And what's Peter trying to say? Okay, look up this way. I'm going to try to drive it home a little bit. Who was he writing to? It was a group of believers that were being persecuted. What do you think the world was doing to believers at that time? Nero had spread rumors that the Christians were the ones that burned down Rome. They were being said that uh, Christians were cannibals. Christians are ones that, uh, they, they spread all kinds of lies about them. They're deceptive. Uh, they, they meet secretly in groups. And what's Peter pointing out? Hey, folks, these are characteristics of the world. Why would you treat each other this way? 
And folks, this is what you have to understand. In a church ministry where, we, where we're around each other all the time, is your relationship with other people, is that going to impact your walk with God? You better believe it does. Hey, folks, why is Peter talking about how the fact that your relationship with other people will impact your craving for the Word of God? Because, listen, there is no having a vertical relationship with God when you're not right with people horizontally. You see, Jesus Christ created every single one of us. He created us in the image of Jesus Christ. When you treat another believer the wrong way, who are you treating wrong? Jesus and Peter's saying is that you better be well aware of the fact that these people, they bear the image of Christ. You, these are a part of characteristics from your old clothing. Take it off, strip it off, throw it away. Now put on your new clothes that reflect Jesus Christ. That's what Peter's saying, amen? We need for people inside the church to put on their new clothing that reflects Jesus Christ. And you're like, well, Ryan, how does that impact my craving for the word? Now, this is why. Because when you sin, it begins to feed your fleshly cravings. And it begins to starve out your spiritual cravings. And guys, if you want to fire up yourself spiritually speaking, you need to learn to starve your, your flesh uh, in the sin, the fleshly sins that you want to do, that, that anger that boils up or that, that desire to pay somebody back. You learn to starve that out and learn to feed your, your spiritual life and that'll get you fired up. Learn to treat people the right way. Let me ask you a question. Could you be stalled out right now in your spiritual life because of how you're treating people? It could be happening. You won't get rid of certain sins from your old lifestyle. Peter says, strip it off. Now, I was thinking about when I was a little boy. Like In my neighborhood where I grew up, we used to play pickup football all the time. I absolutely loved it. Okay, And in our neighborhood, we used to have all these wild dogs that would run around. I don't know why. That's just how it was. I grew up in a, like out, outside of the city. All, right? all we had was fields. And in my neighborhood... We played up a, a pickup football game, and one time my friend named Jason, we were, it was right towards the end of the game, and we were like on our last drive. It was our last possession. Either we were going to win it or we were going to lose it. And I can remember I threw a Hail Mary. I threw that thing as far as I could, and my friend, when he went for the football, he laid out as far as he could, and when he caught it, the funniest thing in the world happened. He landed right in a, in a huge pile of dog poop. I mean, I mean, just flat, all the way from his chin, and you know it's one of those catches when you lay out for it, like you just begin to slide and you don't stop, well it was just like, it, all the way from his chin, all the way down to his knees, I mean he was just covered in it, you wouldn't believe the face, he had a, the most horrified face, uh, I mean he had this expression like he couldn't believe, I just lit, and, and I've never seen somebody begin to strip off their clothes as quick as he did, and you know when I was thinking about that, you know what would happen in the Christian's life if we got that serious about the sin in our life? Man, we would have a burning passion and a hunger for the Word of God. You know what the problem is in churches is that we're just not serious enough about the sins that we see in our own life. Peter says that if you want to hunger for the Word of God, if you want to stir it up, you know what you need to do? 
take off those old clothes that reflect who you used to be and start doing what? Put on your new clothes that, that reflect Jesus Christ. We need more of that, right? Biblical Christianity. David said things like this. David was referred to as what? A man after God's own heart. Why was it? Listen to some of these things he said. Psalm 19, 13, he says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright. What's, what's David saying? Lord, don't, don't let me even have hidden sins in my own life. He says in Psalm 119, verse 133, he says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. What's he saying? Lord, I want to hunger for your word. Don't let any sin dominate me. Don't let me be stuck in the clothing from my old life. Man, that's a good. Now, the third thing is this. We also need to hunger for the word through pursuing spiritual growth. Now, there's several things that we're going to look at underneath this verse. The first thing is this. You need to admit that you have a need. Look at what it says in verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. That word newborn babes is the idea of a brand new baby, just born. Can you remember that? I was thinking about it just as I was preparing this afternoon. I remember when all three of our kids, when they come out, man, they come out screaming, right? I had somebody ask me the other day, they're like, Ryan, you guys want any more kids? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I love kids, but just don't want any more babies. That's, they, they, they make their will known, don't they? What do babies want? They want milk. You, you can put a bag of chips down in front of them. That's not doing them any good. They want milk. And what he's saying in this passage is that if you want to crave the word of God, you have to desire, you have to understand, you have a need that can't be, be quenched in any other way than through the sincere milk of the word. Now, the question is this. Don't misunderstand the passage. A lot of people will take this verse and they'll jump off and go another direction. Some people will think, well, Peter's talking to new, new believers. Is that what it says? Look at it. Just because it's a newborn baby doesn't mean that he's talking to new believers. Hey, folks, we got to get past that, that the Bible is for people that don't, don't have as much knowledge as other people. No, the Bible's for everybody. No matter what area, there never comes a point in your Christian life where you no longer need the Word of God. I wish I would have gotten that earlier. Hey, folks, it doesn't matter how many times you've heard that passage preached. It doesn't matter how many times you've come to that passage in your quiet times before. You know what? You need the Word of God. It doesn't matter what stage you're at. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're a missionary. It doesn't matter if you're a deacon. You need the Word of God. Now, sometimes we, we have this tendency, and, and I love it, because Awanas is a good program, right? Oh, we want to encourage our kids to go do Awanas, memorize the Bible, read your Bible passages. You know what, Mom and Dad? We need that too. And so Peter is coming to this, and he's saying, Peter... It, it, Peter's saying, you guys need to be like newborn babies that, that are crying and desiring to, to have the milk of the word of God. You know, we, we, we need to recognize that. Why are we spiritually weak? Because we don't admit the need that we have for it. Jesus Christ only reveals himself to you how? Through the word. 
The second thing is this, we need to obey the command. Now, I want you to pay particular uh, attention to this passage because it is so powerful. I love this part. Notice what he says, desire the sincere milk of the word. This word sincere milk is the idea of something that, that's without deceit. It has no contaminants. It has no error. It's like a farm product, product that has nothing that's been added to it. What's he saying? The Bible is unadulterated truth all the time. Now, in a world that we live in, don't you think we need that? Amen. You turn on the news, and we were watching the news just last night, and you're seeing all this stuff that's happening, and, and people are putting their slants on it. It's fake news, right? It really is. And, and people are pushing their agendas, and, and you know what happens when you come to the Word of God? It's uncontaminated truth for your life, no matter where you're at. And notice that he, he says, uh, desire it. It means to, to crave it strongly. Now, I want you to understand how this is used in other passages. It's used in the same way that a husband desires his wife. It's used in the same way that uh, you're hungry. Have you ever been hungry before? Like starving? And it's that same idea. It's the same idea of a person that, that longs to be with a loved one that they've lost. It's the idea of a, a parent that, that has a, a heart that's aching for a child that's gone away from the Lord. Now notice what Peter says. Notice the command. Everybody look at it. I know you've read it, but pay attention to this part. He says, desire the sincere milk of the word. Peter did not command you to read the Bible, although other passages do command that. Peter didn't say memorize it. There's other passages that tell you to do that. He didn't tell you to listen to it be preached. Other passages tell you to do that. He didn't tell you to search it or study it. What does he command for you to do? Desire it. Now, here's the question. Now, Peter, like if it was me writing this passage, why in the world would you tell us he commands us to desire it? He doesn't say read it. He doesn't say do all that. All that stuff, it, it's taught in other passages, right? But he says you are to desire the word of God. Now, why is it that he says that? Because, folks, if you're, if you're ever going to read the word of God, you better crave it. If you're ever going to listen to the word of God be preached, you better have a desire to listen to it. If you're ever going to study the Bible, it's going to start because you, you love it, you desire it, you can't get away from it, you got to have it. Hey, he's dealing with the, the most foundational issue in the life. What's he saying? You have to crave the word of God. You have to want it. Like a baby desires milk. If you don't have that, are you going to pick up your Bible tomorrow? No, you won't. And here's what Peter is saying. And folks, listen up to this part. Do you crave the word like you used to? If you were going to answer that question for yourself right now, do you want it? Do you long for it? Ha, ha, maybe there was a time in your life where you used to. It was stronger than it, than it is right now. That's what he's saying. You have to want it. You have to desire it. You have to obey the command to desire it. And lastly, this, uh, in this last section, uh, this one part, it says, seek spiritual maturity. That, look at what he says, that ye may grow thereby. 
Now, if you got a pen, I would circle that phrase because this is what it means. It's not the idea that you can grow yourself. It's in the passive verb. That means this, that by coming to the word of God, it will grow you, not you will grow yourself. You understand that the Christian life, you can't force yourself to grow. The Bible's teaching, it's a passive form. So when you come to the word of God, the word of God begins to change you. You can't make yourself grow. You understand that, right? I was thinking we just went to Disney and we were trying to ride some rides and my son Judson, he's just like, he's the youngest one and, and the ride says you have to be 44 inches, okay? And I was like, Judson, stand up straight, stand up tall. And he's like, eh, like he's stretching. But in reality, the, the, what? He can't change how, high he, how tall he is. Like you are what you are. And folks, uh, he can't change his height, neither can you change your life. You see, it's something that God does in and through you as you obey what God's told you to do. It's in the passive form, meaning that as you come to the word of God, the word of God begins to work inside of you. And what happens? As the word of God works inside of you and as time passes by, you change. Isn't that neat? You see, it's as you come to him daily and you come and you sit at his feet and you read the word of God and you soak it in. Day by day, you might not recognize it, you might not see it, but change is taking place inside your heart. I can honestly say that in my own life that, man, I wish I would have gotten that a whole lot younger. There's been some times in my life where if I was going to be truthful, I've kind of coasted. I've kind of put it in cruise control. Have you ever done that yourself? Ever been some times in your life where you just thought, you know, I'll kind of just take it easy now. I, I, and I didn't dig into the word of God like I should have. See, in our world, we make the mistake of thinking that uh, we, we mistake growing old for growing up. There's a big difference. You can grow old in age and not grow up, spiritually speaking. It's possible. It happens all the time. There's nothing sadder. What it's dealing with is one just deals with time. The other deals with maturity. There's nothing sadder than to see a Christian that's stagnated in their spiritual growth. Hey, folks, God has set a goal for you to be molded into the image of Christ, not to coast. Not to just take things easy. He says, pursue me, pursue spiritual growth by admitting that you have a need, by following the command to crave it and pursue spiritual growth. I love what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What's he saying? When we come to the Word of God, we behold God's glory. And we're being changed into the image. And notice the part where it says, from glory to what? Glory. You know what that literally means? From one level to the next. You know what happens to a lot of people? They're like, eh, I got enough of, I, I'm like right at where I want to be. I don't want to be any more, don't want to be any less. I'll just kind of maintain right here. Listen, folks, God never called for you to be in cruise control spiritually. 
He always wants you to be pushing to the next level, from one glory to the next, from one level to the next. Be pushing it to the next stage. Okay, you're here this year, but where are you going to be at next year? Is it going to increase or are you going to move backwards? He's calling for you to move forwards. And I'm just so thankful because I'll just, can I give you a testimony for a second? And I don't mean it. I never want something to come off like it's bragging or, or like you think that I mean something I don't. But I have this sense that over the past few years of my life, as I've been coming to the word of God regularly, I've sensed that he's changed me. I'm not who I used to be. He's made me a better dad. He's made me a better husband. He's made me a better minister. And the fact is, is this, guys, if you don't crave the word of God, you don't push for that extra growth. God, take me to the next level. You'll never experience that, spiritually speaking. But let's close with this last thing. Maybe there's a few of you here. And you're like, Ryan, I know what you're saying. The Bible commands me to crave the word of God, but I don't crave it. You know that there's some Christians that they go through life and they, they don't. They want to, maybe, but they don't crave it. What do I do, Ryan? This is this last part. That, it's for you. Okay? Hunger for the word of God through remembering the goodness of God. Look at what it says in verse 3. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is what? Gracious. It's an interesting verse because you should translate it more like this. Because you have tasted the, the, the Lord is good. That's what it literally should say. Since you've tasted that the Lord is good. Why do you pursue spiritual growth? Why do you pursue like knowing the word of God, getting in the word of God? It's because you've tasted the goodness of God. You want to get fired up again? You want to get excited about the Word of God like you used to be? He says this. He's he's assuming that you've had an experience with God before. He's assuming that you've been saved, that you can remember back to the moment that that God came into your life for the very first time. The, The moment when you recognized that you were lost apart from Jesus Christ and you needed to put your faith in Him. And He's saying, have you remembered the goodness of God? And he's he's stirring up those old emotions for how God had changed your life. And he's saying, if if in the past you've tasted in your own personal experience the goodness of God, that's why you pursue it. Can you remember what it was like when you could sense God's presence in your life? Can you remember what it was like when you opened up the Bible and it was like God was speaking right into your life for that day? Can you remember when he was answering the prayer request? Can you remember when you experienced God's goodness and you were like, man, that has to be God. It, it, there's only other, one way to explain what happened. It had to be him. And what Peter's doing is he's stirring up your craving for the word of God by remembering the goodness of God. Folks, when you forget the goodness of God, you will not crave the word of God like you should. You want to get fired up? Remember how God impacted your life. One of the biggest spiritual dangers you face in the Christian life is forgetting. Can I tell you in a church, one of the biggest dangers that we face is forgetting the goodness of God.
when you forget how good God is, you no longer desire to be around him. When you forget the goodness of God, you no longer to see him revealed through the word of God. You know, one of the things I like to do with my family is on Tuesdays we, or not Tuesdays, Mondays is my day off. And this past Monday we went to Opry Mills Mall. Now that place is special to me because that's where I proposed to Heather. And we were just walking with the kids and, and it just brings back those memories, doesn't it? We're walking around and I can just, I can remember back when we were dating at college and she dated all my friends, so it was only logical she'd date me next. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Love you. All right. And so, I love you. <laughs> and we were walking, and I can remember that I would walk her back to the dorm. That's all you can do in Bible school. It's like you got to keep your distance, but I'll walk you back to your dorm. And uh, that's a good thing when your college is on cops. So, it's good for you to walk them back to their dorm so nothing happens to them. And so uh, I, I was just thinking uh, of, of all the good memories. I can remember when she would come back from working late. She worked at JCPenney's, and she would come back to school, and we'd have like literally maybe five minutes before their, uh, the curfew was started. I'd have five minutes, and you know what I would do? I didn't care if it was five minutes. I was going to be over there. I wanted every minute that I could possibly spend with her. Remember the times that we talked on the phone for hours and hours, and I didn't care that I would wake up tired the next day when I went to classes. You see, when you remember back to the good times of, of, of the times that you've had together, what does it do? It stirs up the emotions. And what Peter's trying to do is, listen, he's trying to stir up your emotions for the word of God. Will you begin to love and to crave to, to have that fellowship with God like you used to have it? The times when God spoke to you, the times when he answered your prayer request, the times where God came through when you weren't sure what was going to happen in the, in the situation, are you going to be reminded and stirred up to, to pursue God through his word? What a great challenge. Hey, folks, um, only way our church is really going to grow, we don't grow through numbers like by filling people in the seats. Before we're going to grow the breadth of our ministry, we have to grow the depth of our ministry. There's no filling seats until the people that are sitting in the seats have a deep longing and, and, and a, a desire to fellowship and to know God through his word. And until we grow in our depth, spiritually speaking, we'll never grow the breadth of our ministry. God always is concerned with your love for him and for his word. And until we pursue that, we'll never really be what he wants us to be. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you. Lord, we pray that you would work this into our hearts. That we would have a sincere desire for your word. We would pursue knowing you like we once did. While your heads are bowed, let me ask you this question. How many of you would say, Ryan, I, I haven't been craving the word of God like I ought to. That has been missing in my life, but I want it. I've kind of fallen off. I've gotten into cruise control. I want to crave his word like I used to.